Hello and welcome to the debug log number 81. It's been a long time. We kind of took a little month off for July. Everybody needs a summer vacation, but now we are back. Back in action, back ready for this fall, and hopefully go to Unite and a bunch of fun stuff coming up. Tonight, we're going to talk about something called personal programming methodologies. And like I say in the episode, that sounds sort of boring, but trust me, it's very useful. It's something that you can use on your job. In your job, it's something you can use in your personal projects. It's all about organizing and chunking up those projects to make them manageable and so you finish them in the most efficient manner possible. All of that and more. So without further ado, I give you the Debug Log, episode 81. Okay. Test one, two, three, four. Sounds pretty good, probably. Fuck all. Fuck all of you. I love you. Maybe. <laughs> Not you, though. You, you're cool. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you, you, fuck, fuck you, you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. You're cool. I'm, I'm out. <coughs> I swear that's going to happen to me one day at a job. <laughs> it's like, I'm done with you bitches. You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Ryan Kilgore. All right. Tonight, we had a big show. We're going to talk about something I'm calling personal programming methodologies, which makes you fall asleep in the middle of that statement. It's <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> but I promise you it's interesting and fun, and it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be fun. We'll make it fun. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> before we get started... Uh, since Obina's not here, I'll read a review, our latest review on an iTunes. It's from Noah Rosen. Rosen. Um, it came in about a week ago. It says, I love how you guys are mixing up with the design pattern talks. We need to do more of those, Eduardo. I was inspired. No, he didn't say that. I, that was my aside. <laughs> I was inspired to go full tilt observer pattern on a micro site slash app I was starting, and it was a great challenge. And now I know the pros and cons of observer. So there nice. you go. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, after I listened to that episode, I, I totally went and did that as well. Yeah, observer's good. Mm-hmm. On a microtransaction site? No, just <laughs> like full on like re redid one of my applications so that I had a lot of more observer classes in it. Right on. So when I tell you at work, it, you don't care, but when Eduardo talks about it, it's I know, fine. right? Just you saying, work with it, the guy, and you'll be like, oh, he's do just this. much and more trustworthy. I just record it and put it on the internet, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we want to thank uh, that review for being there. We wanna, If you want to go just to iTunes, leave us a review. It helps us out. We like reading them. It's fun. Last week, we just... We'll get to this in a second, but we just, our, the rue we led, read, led, read last week, we said it was John Paul, but it's actually Grant, who was our Patreon, and we had him on the show last night. We talked to him, not yeah. on the show, we did a private Google Hangout, the Patreon Hangout, he was the only guest, but it was awesome, we had a fun time. So, shout out to Grant, and he's awaiting this episode, he listens, he even gave a shit last night for not having an episode yeah. this week. Good on him for that, too, yeah. So, this is for you, Grant. He, he gave some good ideas for future episodes, so we'll hit those soon. Um, all right. Well, tonight, like I said, we're going to talk about personal programming methodologies. Uh, and in general, that's just something I, the phrase I'm coining here, I don't know, but I'm just calling it that because really what it's about in a bigger sense is software methodologies. And if you've ever had like a traditional computer science background or software engineering class, that's what the whole class is about. You learn about a lot of different software methodologies. And tonight, this isn't going to be basic. We're not going to deep dive into all those because there's a billion of them, right? Especially yeah. now with Agile. There's so many different types. And it's, it gets really kind of religious and nationalistic about those things, too. I'm not going to get into that. We'll touch on it. We'll kind of explain the concept of it, what it is, what are those two huge, really the biggest camps of it are. And then we'll kind of go into what it really means when you're working on your own project because a lot of these things are set up for huge teams. But the idea and the definition behind what a software methodology is actually should be applied to your personal projects because here I'll start off with what, what the definition of it is. The definition of software methodology is splitting software and building work into different stages with certain activities for the purpose of more effective planning and management. 
And that's something you don't need a team for. That's something if you have a huge front, because the game is a lot of different parts. And if you're not chunking it up or keeping track of what you're doing in your own way, that can be a problem. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like basic organization. It's like you, you have a problem, you need to attack it. How are you going to break it down? That type of thing. So, yeah. And, and then the world of like just development, like if you were literally just, I don't know, like back in like graphic design days where I still do it, but like if I, like I have to make artwork for the show and do some other stuff for us marketing wise, it's just easy. I'll just pop that out. You know, it's a list and I get it done. But with software and stuff and especially games, one, you got to make sure it's working and validated and tested maybe, right? But then also, is it fun? What, there's there's some kind of process there to actually. You can't just do it <laughs> and push it out. Right. So yeah. Um, and the big the big kind of theme of tonight is actually really about finding a system that works for you. We're gonna go over the bigger ones that use in uh, organizations, and we'll talk about some you know a personal example of one. But it's not about using any one of these. It's really about getting ideas from these systems and ideas from just the list and th- and experimenting. That's really the basic thing because. It it really is about like it, when you're a team or like just, just say for the indie dev when you're a team or solo it's there can be a lot of differences there because sometimes for yourself it can the tendency could be to not be formal about it just say oh, I'm just gonna make this list do whatever but hopefully after tonight you'll have some maybe have some perspective that makes you want to at least formalize the process. Right. I mean, you're right. A lot goes into it. It's, you know, it's not just like, you know, AAA indie or like team or solo. And there's also things like just culture or knowing your team and like, you know, what works for you. And, you know, none of these are like, you know, like you said, you know, law or, you know, biblical or anything like that. It's like, you know, pick and choose what works for you. What, you know, what actually gets output for yourself or your team. So. And right. you might also have to change your methodology, you know, halfway through your project as well. I've had to do that several times. Yeah, it's adaptive. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ongoing process, you know. So um, well, let's start with just the basic. Uh, we started with the basic definition of that. Let's start with the basic kind of overview of what are the big uh, thinkings and methodologies in the software engineering world are. Um, the first one you always learn about is the kind of classic IBM right, method, or I guess used to be Microsoft method, is the waterfall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is like a software. To me, this always seemed like, of course you do it this way in a perfect world, right? This almost seems like, yeah, I have chores to do, and it's just a list. So waterfall basically means that the different stages of a software design process or software development process from requirements to design, to implementation, to verification, and then to maintenance, they're saying that that method, it all happens in linear order. So basically, the requirements is the first step. Until those requirements are done, you don't start designing it. <laughs> right. Right. Until that design <clears throat> stuff is done, you don't start implementing it. And that all sounds great. We all just look, yeah. hear that and go, oh, great, awesome, really? I can wait till the requirements are there? <laughs> Never happens. But, uh, yeah, and the, but even like... And the tendency, I when I heard about it first, I was like, well, shouldn't that be what you go for, right? That seemed very black and white. It's like, yeah. But then you hear about, I read that book called Dreaming in Code, and it's just about, uh, it kind of follows the guy, the, what's the guy that founded Lotus Notes? What's his name? Do you remember? Oh, right? I do not remember. That Sorry, guy, I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. But he started, it follows him and his startup making this calendar app or something, and just, it gets into the mythical man month, just how hard software projects are, and they get into examples of the government, how... They've been trying to do the FAA tracking, like the flight tracking, for decades, and they just can't do it because it's just a big project. Um, and so you get into these things where these are waterfall projects, but when when there's so many kind of requirements on the line and when you get into so many complications, waiting for those steps takes decades, you know, years. Yeah. And then when you get to the end, you're like, this is totally outdated. <laughs> you know, it's been 10 years of making – that's why – Microsoft, what is the Outlook or Word or one of those things are such a mess or after all those years and like totally redid it finally. Um, yeah, no, it's like it's like that with a lot of their stuff is, you know, from the early days, it's like, you know, they just kind of had this type of process and, you know, things would move along, but, you know, they were still in progress with making it. And, you know, it's, you know, kind of just the way they did things. And so it became sort of a, like spaghetti code compatibility, you know, type of thing over the years where it's like, oh, yeah, we, you know, this was our outline for it. We got our requirements and verified it. Nah, but all of a sudden at the last minute, we've got some new stuff showing up. So, right. Because yeah. you didn't, you never. I mean, we'll get to that. There's no iteration on it, so you get to maintenance. Like we're not rewriting stuff; we're maintaining yeah. it now and just adding Patching on to it. it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I've never, we learned about that first, but I've never had experience. I mean, I've never been anywhere where we did that though. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess we've always worked in games. We're talking about doing, waterfall or? Yeah. And web dev, but I've never had personal experience of any place tried to do that. You yeah. know what? This actually, this actually got me thinking. I think, you know, waterfall also, you kind of experience that in school. I feel like, you know, yeah, when, I was just about to say, yeah, that's you, the you, only you, place I've ever seen it. Right. It's like you have a project and the project, you know, the teacher gives you these requirements for it and you have to, you, then you have to go and design it and implement it. And then they have, you know, maybe some unit tests or something you run it through. So, and that very sort of ivory tower clean room arena you experience this type of methodology and that's great for learning stuff because it's it's structured for to teach you something so it makes sense because it's already been figured out what you need to know but typically i feel like in you know actual real world outside of academia and you know software development in you know 2017 that does just does not work as well (laughs) it just it's too rigid yeah when i was in uh in school that was Pretty much how it went is they give us the requirements and then we went through the waterfall process and got stuff out. Uh, but I, it, like my last two classes, which was my studio and capstone, they uh, they just switched up. They go, okay, well you make whatever you want and try to you know use your own methodology. And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll just do our, our normal waterfall process. And we're like, oh crap, we we don't know what we're doing. And it was just like kind of a wake up call. We like really have to figure out what the heck you're doing and what what you're doing and what you're planning on doing and then kind of formalize something or else you're not going to get done right yeah and to put that in perspective like listing all those steps just somebody hearing this right now like the requirement design implementation verification maintenance you're like yeah that's what you do those are steps but this is saying that at the that like say you have a you know say that's a five-month schedule it would have like the first month being requirements, second month being design like the last stage right before your deadline is that one maintenance phase so it's not about that those steps are incorrect. It's just you get one shot at it, right, through the process. Yeah. And at that point, you're just fixing stuff. Um, you don't get to go back. And so I think in the next big kind of push in software, I think it was like the late 70s or something. One of those guys wrote a paper, and it's about just how, like, screwed up that system is. And obviously, because you start saying, this is not, this is not working. Wait, so was then that you, as early as the 70s they started saying that? Yeah, I read, I, yeah, I should have put down the notes, but it was like, yeah, it was the, the first few papers about that was in this, like, late 70s, and then people started thinking about it and using it and doing stuff like that. So, um, so what the next big movement was and what we're kind of really in now is Agile, what they call Agile, which is really based on, Iteration. So where that was just one path through one time, this is based on doing that. I mean, there's a lot of different methods, and we can kind of talk about that. But it's basically doing those little that that little cycle a bunch of times before release date, basically. So you go back to you go through verification, maintenance, and you go back to the requirement stage and change some stuff, change the design, you know, stuff like that. Um, and the way so it's based on the, those iterative patterns, but the way people interpret that agile saying do it in an agile way can vary extremely. Um, you have the classic, one of the most popular ones, I'm sure we all had uh, familiar with is scrum. Um, yeah. And that, that's just sort of a, you know, <clears throat> sorry, uh, you know, just kind of a touch base every day of, you know, what you're doing within that agile sort of uh, life cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on like user stories, right? And you make user stories right. and functionality and then you say, I'm going to do this and, it's kind of cool. I, I, I never f- fully like Scrum in ways because I find the requirements part of that and making those user story cards is a little hard. Well, here, here, here's <laughs> the thing is also is like, you know, when you talk about Scrum, like, all right, so Agile is, you know, I think a better movement than Waterfall because it does take this sort of idea of like, you know, these these phases of software design and breaks them down into say like smaller cycles, admitting that you're not going to get it right the first pass, but at least you can focus on something for a two to three week period, mm-hmm. like iterate over that, go through it. And at the end of it, reevaluate and say, okay, great. This is what we wanted. Or this was complete, you know, crap or it's somewhere in between. And let's plan for the next phase. And then we'll go through these again. And you're, so you're constantly sort of, you know, cut, polish, cut, polish, cut, polish. And I, you know, I think it's a better way to do it. So you don't get to the end and like, shit, we're going to need a big patch at some point. Um, that being said, though, it's like things like Scrum are part of that agile methodology. And that's, all, you know, 
you know, sort of a more day-to-day check-in. And whereas, like, you know, kind of what you, I feel like you're describing with, like, you know, actually sizing up stories and things, that's also a part of Agile, but not necessarily Scrum. That's almost like a planning right. thing. And here's the thing with Agile is, like, that ability to sort of, like, cut and polish and be more loosey-goosey also kind of gets you in these vague areas where it's like, well, is Scrum actually the planning and sizing? Or is it, like, you know, or is that a separate thing at the beginning of the sprint we do? Um, which, you know, kind of typically what I've been involved in, it has been, but it, again, Agile sort of opens it up to a loosey-goosey nature where it's like, you know, hey, whatever, we'll just say we're doing this shit for two weeks and then we'll roll with it. I don't know. Yeah, it can get into that syndrome of like, well, I'm busy. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, it's like I'm working on this thing and not, but you can, if you don't, yeah, pass that initial requirement stage, you can always go back and add some stories and whatever, but it like, you get to the point where it's like, uh, you, you got to have a very strong vision of what the thing is because when you reiterate back in those things sometimes and those features, just like any game, just like we talk about, you change something, like we talk in our testing episodes, you know, you change one system, it can affect a bunch of other systems, but especially when you're like, right. I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to do the attack system, I'm going to do this, like, okay, cool. And then you come back and like, this isn't the right way to do this, we should do this, this, and this, but unless design and programming and maybe probably art too, that probably, you know, all those things interlock and if they they iterate at different rates than the other systems are iterating. You know, you have to have like a product manager, so whoever is like, somebody's got to be like, hold on, this has to work together. And so, so it take it still takes a lot of, there's a lot of like CPU overhead, if you will. Right. Yeah. Or a lot of synchronization that needs <laughs> right. to happen. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of, and like, that's kind of where scrum comes in too, is like, you may break it down into teams, like you said, with an iteration of a feature and you've got, you know, art or design or all these people involved, like the stakeholders, that's where Scrum becomes valuable. And like, you know, here's what engineering did today. And all of a sudden design's like, what the fuck? You know, and it's like, okay, well, right. great. We identified that early this morning in the second day of the sprint. Let's let's sit down and talk about this. Maybe we need to have a kickoff about this. Maybe we need to just go back to the drawing board. You know, something, you know, it's like, you know, it, like shit happens, but you can communicate about it in like a Scrum or, you know, sort of planning period. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, it, yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's not like, it feels like there's no like again like what i said is like waterfalls people laugh at it but if you just think about it in a perfect world it's like yeah that'd be awesome that would be amazing oh, it would. yeah and then yeah. because also the 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 idea of waterfalls that the and i guess this is the idea behind those huge corporations that use it back in the 70s and stuff, 80s it's like this is like once this train gets going the momentum moves itself right mm-hmm. they don't have to have this centralized figure checking it like it can just keep going you know it can roll into the next phase and it's like as long as you're implementing like as long as you're designing based on requirements we're fine as long as you're implementing based on design we're fine as long as you're verifying the implementation we're fine <laughs> you're right, right. You do, you're, there's no tweaking and but the problem is that just doesn't work with i mean it's, what we're talking about here is games and yeah, that just and doesn't I, work with games and i think you're right i think that's the crux of it is that like you know, I think there are systems that you can maybe design the requirements up front. Even still, I mean, that's still like a very pie in the sky thing. But you're you're right. Like, say, like a banking software security system, you can say like, we needed to do X, Y, and Z. We need to worry about Q, R, and S. You know, and we can plan for that. We can kind of design for that, and then we can test it. And you know, but you know, obviously, games that type of software that's come along recently has kind of promoted more of this agile methodology, where it's like. You never sit down and just say, like, here's my game design document. Bam. You know, let's go. Let's just code this up. Those are the requirements in design. Now let's implement. It's like, because you hit all sorts of crazy messed up stuff with technology, artistic flair. You know, is it even fun? You know, and you can't just, like, say, we're going to implement it to the letter and then try that out two years later. It's like, well, you're fucked. You know, you got to take it in smaller bites. And, you know, that's kind of... You know, yeah, that's that's a a good arena for that agile methodology. You know, but you know, I, you know, like you said, I I think in the older days, if you're designing mainframes for maybe some sort of transaction system, maybe you can do that. You know? Oh, and still in those old days too, it didn't actually work because you realize that was a that was a time before like we actually thought about usability. <laughs> Yeah, true, <laughs> so it's too. like yeah. I can design. That's why when you had these crazy programs or things built on things for thirty years or whatever, and you're like. Why is this interface like this? It's like that's why because yeah. they planned it five years before it was implemented and thought they thought of everything and of course they didn't and then things changed they'd add stuff and it's just like well this is how it is it's yeah. it's like, it works when you don't think about the user 
Right. You know, it's like, just throw it in there. Yeah. But again, the game Isn't everybody going to use command line? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, the games, that the user experience is literally the play experience, the whole thing. Right. So the success of it depends on that. Yeah, it's like you need to see that end result faster or like some sample of that end result faster because that's that's your bread and butter. It's what the user's going to see and experience. It's not just like, it technically works. The formula has been met. You know, it's like, no, there's really no formula. It's fun and playability, and we need to see that quick. So, Yeah, and like I said, it's like there's no perfect solution again because it's like, again, like the waterfall would be perfect, but the agile, it takes so much not it's not babysitting's word but it takes so much just intention mm-hmm. behind everybody in the system and it not just somebody at the top doing the vision but everybody thinking about how it works with the whole and i mean you don't have you theoretically you don't have to do that but then it you you end up with weird systems and stuff so it just becomes it becomes easier because everybody can work on their own stuff at different rates and it's kind of asynchronous how people can do things but it also, yeah, you get a mess at the end, and it's like you might have more iterations, and sometimes it might be a longer of a process to even to get something that works, right? That is right, just functional. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, maybe that's what I'm saying. I don't even know if it's more efficient. It might take a longer time with Agile, but then in the end, you have a better product, though, right? right? I would, I would say. Um. So, have you guys? What have you had? I mean, you mentioned the waterfall at school, but in professional lives, have you guys had experience with uh, probably Agile stuff? Any different methods? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, ahead, where where I work, I mean, we use we use agile a lot, and it's uh, I I like it a lot more than than when I was in school because I I have a chance to like I, I guess change change my design a little bit, and I can I can update that in my in my little sprints. So it's it's really nice in that aspect. <laughs> But I find oftentimes, like, even my, like, say I make, like, a two-week sprint, and I go into that, I find that halfway through the sprint, maybe my my estimations or my my tasks aren't appropriately assigned. So I don't even, sometimes That's I don't even know what, I'm, what, what I need to put into that sprint. Cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, like, I've, I've mostly experienced Agile in my, pr- well... Agile in degrees between jobs and my professional experience. So like like you said, you know, in school it was more of a waterfall methodology, but I got out and like started working in like early mid two thousands. So that was kind of on the, like you said on the way out. And um, like I don't know, it's like agile. I think it's great, but I, I've seen it just kind of been paid lip service. And it's like we have a right. meeting every morning. We're agile, and it's like no, it's still the same shit. Where you're just like. Here's the thing you're implementing. It's due. It's due in two months. Just go. And it's like, but you just have daily meetings and are calling it a scrum. So you say you're agile. Whatever. Yeah. It's no. It's nomenclature at that point. It's just kind of like, well, oh, that's silly. But um, I, I've actually experienced, you know, the other end of that too, where um, actually at Sprockets, uh, we had some good project managers, good people, good teams, and just like the organization like was bought into that and. You know, we actually had kickoffs. You know, we had, okay, planning days where it's like, okay, here's what the next sprint's going to look like. Here's who's allocated with what. Here's how long we'll think it'll take. You know, and like, this is kind of what we're focused on for this next two to three weeks. When that was done, we'd have retrospectives, see what worked, didn't work, you know, and we'd all come together, talked about likes, dislikes, and then you'd go to go through the cycle again and, you know, you'd have a target piece of functionality or something like that. So I've experienced it in the extremes and, you know, if people, the company, the people, everybody's bought in and they want to like actually, you know, foster that mentality, I think it works pretty well. Um, but most of the time, actually, like say, I've experienced it in three different places. Two out of three of them have just sort of paid it lip service because right now, you know, we do daily meetings and scrums and they call it agile, but it's really, I just get tasks week to week and I think they all have a sprint number on them, but it's just like, it's been the same sprint number for months now. So it's just like, you know, yeah, this kind of works too, where we're just like day to day updating people because we're not on a big project all at once. But I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's not even really agile. It's just like, what, what are you doing today? And we're just going to have a daily meeting again and say, here's how long it's going to take me to do maybe this X thing that takes longer than a day. So I don't yeah. know. Sometimes it kind of feels just like, uh, are you busy? Okay. Good. Well, right, yeah, that, right. that's what I think it feels like if, if that's what I was saying, if it's not, if it's just like a project management, like a budget and scheduling exercise, it can eat. And if it can easily just become, Oh, here's two weeks of work. 
that everybody's busy. Right. <laughs> That's what, you know, it's like, but if it doesn't have the design or whatever behind it, the, the product, you know, design behind it, and everybody on board with that, the whole point of the sprints is that you're supposed to coordinate work. Right. In those two weeks to say, okay, we're all kind of coming around this feature, this functionality, this vertical site, whatever it is, right. to see and if no, we can synchronize, right? Right, and that, and that's actually where it shined is like again, you know, as I sprocket said, we say like, hey, we're gonna like focus on this piece of the game for this sprint again, two to three weeks, and it's like, all right, you would have you know, say design, UI, art, engineering, all in the planning, say for maybe even for your particular pod who is focused on a feature for this particular thing, and say like, all right, you know. You know, we're doing this microcom. We're trying to polish microcombat this phase or sprint, and so okay, we're gonna need you know this sort of feature set. So the engineering's gonna come in there, but hey, artists, that means we're gonna need these animations. What does that look like for you? And engineering, like you're gonna need to feed that to engineering so they can like you know incorporate those animations into the functionality. And then UI, hey, how long will it take you to mock up the say like UI to say maybe do those abilities? You know, so it's a, it's this overall coordination of hey, we got two to three weeks here, and we want to get this thing done and see how it feels at the end like play it show it off and then you know once we feel that you know we can either say great that worked out well or hey we need to iterate again on that like you said it's like when somebody is organizing that and all the um you know what what do they call it um basically all the parties are bought in like you know oh the people who are invested in or like come on board and say yeah let's plan this and do this it can work really damn well. And even if it doesn't like come out the way you wanted it to, you have a retro at the end and say like, like, what did we fuck up here? It's like, you know, you know, no, it wasn't the animations. Well, the engineering may be like, well, I kind of took on more than I could handle. And so, yeah, sorry. The animations look jank. I didn't have time to fully like optimize or something like that. So, um, so when bought in and done well, you know, it can work extremely well. Yeah. It's like when you don't have, yeah, when you don't have at least, I mean, cause this is based on the idea that, Hey, you don't need all the requirements, but when you don't have that vision or that idea, like, what are we doing here really intentionally and get everybody on board, like, like get that yeah. buy-in, like you said. <clears throat> Zach and I have seen that. If, if it's really just pushing out tasks to people just for now, and they're mm-hmm. different parts of the system, like, say, just, just to say just between art and programming, right? It'll just be, all right, we got stuff done. We put a bunch of hours in. But again, at some point, we're going to have to come together and figure out how to put those together because we weren't really working together. Right. Yeah. But you'll be amazed, even just in an informal way. Sometimes we just do it informally at work. You're just like, hey, all right, just come over here. Let's sit together for three hours and talk right. about it. Like, and when that happens, you can get stuff done so fast. Like when it works. Yes. And that's the, I, that, that's kind of the intention of these things. It's like if it, in a perfect world, if it works in a system where, it's it's trying to replicate that experience of like four or five people, like the indie experience, really. You know, like of four or five team members, artists, designers, programmers working in a room together, talking over your shoulder, or their shoulders, right? Yeah. And when that happens, you can go really fast. But when it's just like, well, we're not sure about this yet. We're still waiting on this, but we need to pull hours for this. Let's just right. just. I don't know, make some backgrounds or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's basically getting people focused, getting a group of people of multiple disciplines focused on a problem. And, you know, like you said, it's like, you know, you can, if you don't do that, they kind of mill about and they may like kick things back and forth. But when you get them all thinking on the same wavelength and focused on an actual goal or problem or thing to accomplish, then it's like, yeah, like you said, they'll come together and be like, hey, like, I don't know how to do this or how you're going to do that. Let's sit down and talk for a little while and try to like move toward that goal. And right. so, that that's the nice bit of it and you can say the, and the goal being a, a nice little snapshot or bite-sized thing for again two to three weeks or whatever your time frame is and you know hey let's attack this and do it well and let's focus <laughs> on that get that small thing accomplished or you know maybe a large thing you know just just get that you know sort of incrementation of effort and you know you, just getting something done accomplishment so <laughs> that's why some of those crunch times where people get stuff ready for a show or something, they can be grueling and people hate it in the ways and it burns you out and stuff. But sometimes it's the most rewarding because everybody is laser focused on what we're yeah. trying to do. And everybody's, and everybody's watching each other's back. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh wait, hold a second. You know what? I saw something in there. I'm going to fix that for you. I'm going to bring it back to you. You know, that kind of thing. Nobody's just passing stuff over here. You're like, hold on, this doesn't work. And then you have to, let's call a meeting and talk about why this doesn't work right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, everybody sort of like rallies around each other. It's, you know, a fraternal mentality almost. So. Right. And that's a good point. What you said is like really focusing on 
um, coordinating all those efforts because to transition just even to just our indie experience or working on personal projects, you know, just tinkering around and stuff. That's actually super important too. And it's really only took me the past few years to realize this, even working on Zach and I's game when I'm trying to like, <laughs> with Zach and I's game, I'm like, let me do some artwork. Like, hold on, I need to figure out the design part. Hold on, anything about some music stuff. <laughs> like, it's really like, I start going all over the place. I'm like, crap, hold on. And I'll do this too when I'm programming just at work or anything, like a website. It's like, oh, let me look at this page. I fix this thing. And I'm trying to do something. And then I'm like, hold on, I do need to fix that. And then I'll jump over to that if I'm not using some kind of system. And right. it's like, it, in the end, you get results and it's fun. But I end up, especially with a game or sometimes the website, it's like I spent half the time just clicking around and playing the game. <laughs> I wasn't actually trying to just get some iteration of something done. So right. that's why my argument is that, and this is, again, this is, not, this is not me preaching to you guys. The audience isn't me preaching to myself. Part of this is not make me encourage me to do this more uh, and try to get a, some kind of methodology, even a formal process to say, nope, don't jump to that, jump, do this. So have you guys, what is your uh, personal project regimen? Like, do you do you uh, have some kind of list? I mean, it can even just be a simple list. You do something like that. I don't know, Zach, you want to hit that first? Because you've um, actually got a project right now. I'm a little in a drop, but I can talk about previous stuff. <laughs> yeah, I generally just, like, I, I, I haven't really gotten into the formal process because, like, I've more been in the prototyping phase. Um so I haven't been looking at like the systems and how they're going to work. I've been doing my my ADD thing and jumping from one thing to another. You and um, me have a conversation, like yeah, you could work on that, Zach. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what can I do while I'm waiting for everything? Okay. Shut up. I can do. <laughs> um, but generally, like even in my prototyping phase, I have a list of things that that I can do, and I just work my way down that list, and I order my list based on you know, what's dependent on what, you know, so, okay, I need to have a, a, a combat system. Okay, well, that means I need enemies. Let me make my enemies. And I, I need enemies, that means I need an agent, you know, and I need a player so that they both need to inherit from the same class. So, you know, it just goes in that that kind of structure. So, Well, and, and just to talk about that real quick, Ryan, like the, just working with Zach and doing this for our own project, that is something we've learned with this because, I mean, everybody knows it's a roguelike and it's other things we're building, but it's a project that we didn't have. Like, it's been an interesting process because we didn't have. We ha I have like four or five, like a bunch of other game ideas that I just have. I know what it is and I want to make it, but they're bigger ideas. Mm -hmm. This is one we kind of designed. We're like, let's do this type of game as an experiment. You know, it's been really just to learn and to see. Right on. Yeah. Like, this is in our scope and this is what we can do. And I think we could do something cool with it. And I think we could change the formula a little bit. Um, but it's been weird because I don't have exactly, we both don't have exactly mm -hmm. what it is. Cause it's not necessarily genre we play all the time. So it's like having, right. it's been discovery process and finding it and then like tweaking it and going back and forth and design and the story and the theme. So when we have those conversations about even just legitimately what I can kind of look at or work on and what Zach can do, I, I found a cool lesson in that is, especially if you're kind of honing in on the iterations, it starts to do like the 10,000 foot view model basically it's the it's the battleground it's the player unknown's battlegrounds model you have a big circle at first <laughs> and you focus on you drop in and you better get to the middle of it before <laughs> yeah because you can get and i can get so i have this weird learning disability where like i have to have the whole picture in my head sometimes what it is what we're doing and the way i figured before i like can tackle something but what i a way i get around that is just go what did what do we know? What's the shape of this thing, right? We know it's going to have this. We know it's going to have this. We know we have these characters. We know the animation system will be like this. We know we want attacks like this. And you might not know all the details and stuff might change, but you're trying to find the loose bits of stuff you can kind of skeleton together. And then you kind of jump that circle in and go, okay, so let's lock those in and we keep going down like that. So that's kind of been our process. And it's it's been interesting because we both – I've never done this before. I've never like – and if I was just doing this by myself, it would be hard. But making a game with somebody from scratch and you both have no idea what the game is when you start, it's, right. it's a weird process, you know? And it's, so it's like, it's so been interesting. Like, so, yeah. So do you guys, like, when you're doing that, do you sort of, like, you know, when you say, like, the bit you, you're you looking for a big picture of it, but do you guys just, like, target a feature occasionally and say, like, hey, you know, we know we want a rogue, like, yes, the big picture, but we kind of would like to have these bits of functionality like here, like this, that would kind of make it our own, or that's what we need for a roguelike, and then you start kind of iterating down from there, like, you know, how do you attack that? Well, from from my standpoint, what I do is, because I'm, like, kind of calling together all the design stuff of it, and even the artwork, the look, what it'll be, and so... 
and then the programming, the UI and stuff. So I, I'm such a big fan of Eduardo's always talking about, I do this all the time when I do websites or whatever it is in graph. I love finding references, whether it's graphical <laughs> and aesthetic references or just games. Let's mm-hmm. play videos of the best thing in the world. Cause you can find some weird games. Like I think that has a system like the one we're talking about. I've looked at like 80 different games for this game. <laughs> like I really, cause Zach, ask Zach, cause I'll come, I'll come to work the next day. He's like, I found another game, Zach. They have this weird, the way they do their health bar is exactly how I think to do it. He's, like, he's always okay. like, have you played it yet? I'm like, dude, no, this is like, the fifth, I, I'd be poor if I played all the games that Andrew's asking. I don't play them. I don't play them. I just watch the videos. Well, it sounds like he's but, going for like, and it's important stuff, like a look and feel, but almost sort of a minutia of like the health bar did that. And you're like, yeah, I know we need health in this game type of thing. So. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's what the, that's the kind of the problem though because some of those systems they go together but a lot of times it's just the bigger systems it's like i like the way because it's not even looking at roguelike games it's like looking at this weird inv- like rpg and saying i like the way their shops work mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. should not even inventory wise i mean not even sorry inventory, I say inventory not even aesthetically wise just functionality and so then we do that and then right. we discuss it and we kind of shape it and it's been kind of we're getting there. We have the kind of basic. We're the circle's closing now. And we're getting to the point of just full implementation now. Yeah, it, but, sounds, like, it sounds like a very, a very organic process. Like I've, I've kind of done that before too, where it's like I start just saying, I, I know I just kind of want to make this type of game. Like at one point for mobile, like, that's what oh, it's what, been. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, just saying, oh, well, I know I want to make like a sort of space invadery type of game. So I know I need ships and shooting, you know, and shit falling down the screen to shoot at. And then you're like, all right, I kind of got that. Well, maybe I want uh, weapons I can pick up. And you're like, oh, okay, well, now I need to make like a way to like augment my ship to fire different weapons based on you know. And you, so you start kind of iterating and refining systems, like just based off of sort of, hey, we were, we're kind of moving closer to our goal. We know we want this new feature, so now we kind of put this effort toward that feature or that idea. <laughs> right, and I th- and I think the process too has been cool with this because we. It's about like kind of a lesson in commitment and saying, no, this is, we've talked about, we wanted to make an idea and we talked about bigger ideas before. And the problem is as we're doing this and I see these other games, I get like 80 other ideas for games. I have a list. I'm like, oh, we could do a game like this. And with, with more ideas than we had for this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, it's like, there's a few games right now that we both have talked about. Like, I know what the game is. We could literally put a project, but it's just bigger ideas. And, you know, but this has been a very good commitment because it's like, the idea of even going into this process going, we'd like to make more games than this. We'd like to make more games. And I, I always get the weird idea of thinking about like, well, once you get past your first three or four or five ideas, what do you do? <laughs> when you have like, when you get to the point of that like second album song or some kind of thing, like, well, I want right. So I like, we've been exploring this process, just trying to build a process that you could work with other people with too, where you go, this is cool. We like doing this and trying to just hone down on and just focus on what we know. So it's been a long process, but hopefully we're getting to the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it started making like this really, really simple game. And then we stopped that and we started making this really, really big game. And then we're like, okay, well, we, we can't do that. We just don't have the time to do that. And then we stopped that. And then we actually stopped making something for a while. And now we've, we're back on this this uh, roguelike idea. So Nice. All so, right. Yeah. So- Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, so, uh, so is any of this going to the Ramino coding method? Well, that's what I was going to say, yes. (laughs) Ramino. Ramino. Ronimo, Ronimo, like Geronimo. Ronimo. Without the (laughs) Geronimo. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this came about, this whole idea for this episode, because I was just thinking about that and, like, custom... Because again, we don't, Zach and I don't do Scrum, we don't do the stuff, but we'll make a list and I'll make a list and we're about to get into implementation, so it'll be bigger, I, you know, we might have a Trello board or something with stuff or stuff we're working on. Um, but thinking about just the way you attack stuff to be efficient, like just thinking about that idea, like I said, with him and him, like trying to go down the features, because we could get lost all day talking about stuff until we just say, what can we do? Yeah. Um, and so I started thinking about this because in, in in some teams, and it's not important, like a lot of people, a lot of bigger corporate people, you probably work for Ryan, you know, too, they like the idea of calling something Scrum because they can get a, a consultant in to do Scrum and teach everybody about, you know, these real official things. But mm-hmm. I see a lot of indie studios just use hybrid methods, do their own thing. They're like, yeah, we kind of like some of Scrum, but we like this part too, and then we do this and this and this and this and this. And this, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, it's Juiced Van Dogen from Romno, the makers of Awesome Knots. It's like mm-hmm. a 2D MOBA game, and they've made some other games too. Um, he's a great programmer. He's always posting a lot of dev stuff in Gamma Suture. But he posted this article about the Romano coding methodology. And it, it reads, it's not necessarily also about, 
this is cool because it's also from a programmer standpoint. That's really what we're thinking about it for efficiency. It's not just about um, uh, just task and doling out tasks and doing that. It's also from a programmer standpoint, how can you tackle uh, problems in an efficient way? Like I said, like sometimes I bounce around and this right, is like yeah. saying, so I thought this would be cool. We'll read through some of these just as a basis, just as an example, if you want to, if our whole argument is that you should maybe personally start your own, and Zach and I might start in this and make a little, you know, just stuff to mm-hmm. kind of follow and just try to experiment with. This is a good place to start. Um, I'll read a few of these real quick. So general me- so the Romano coding methodology, first he has like a few sections here, but one is general method of implementing a new feature. And some of these are like, duh, but like, it's cool to talk about. <laughs> um, analyze what should be made, discuss approach with end users, usually artists and or designers and lead programmer. That's duh, but we talked about that. You need to get everybody on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like this split into small task of a day at most. This is a problem I always have, but I like picking a granular amount and doing that. I've never really tried that. Have you, but I think that'd be cool to say, I have always a problem implementing features and saying this, because like this will take a week, but it takes five weeks or something. But mm-hmm. if you try to do it per day, that could be. A day's, cool. a day's, well, in my experience, a little small, a yeah. little short. I mean, I mean, I, you know, split the small to a day at most. Cause I've seen stuff that you know, we always box it to like, if it takes more than two days, let's discuss it, you know, or try to break it That's down. That's a good thing. Yeah. 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 I like that idea too. Like whatever the day amount is, it's kind of right. cool to pick a, and that, again, pick that goes into experiment, yeah. experimenting with the size and scope of what you're doing and just say, what can we do? And because I do think it's good to iterate on small chunks of it and not try to, because you'll get into that mode of in the scrum meeting. We all heard this. It's like, so what are you doing? I was like, I'm still working on that thing. And that lasts for like four weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and just that, that oh, well, I'm, I'm still working on that thing. Generally, like I, I've done a lot of uh, like making my little sprints. Uh, uh, but if something I put down is going to take a week, I know I can actually separate that into other tasks. Because, I mean, generally, like there are some issues, uh, some things, some tasks that take that long that are individual tasks, but in general, it's like, okay, well, I need to make this this screen. And I'm saying that screen's going to take me one week. But really, I can separate that in, out into something more like, okay, I'm going to be making buttons. Like, I'll, I'll be doing all the code for all the buttons this like the, for the first two days. And then I'll right. be setting up all the, the prefabs the next day. Things like that, which can be broken down into more tasks, which, which will give you a little better granularity on your, your ability to estimate. The project management, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it says make a basic planning for the small task, put the core of the functionality and most difficult parts to implement at the front of the planning. This is something we started to do. We, Zach and I were whiteboard stuff, you know, work mm. or, or, or window it as Zach does. He likes to draw on the windows. <laughs> it works it just up. the same as the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like you're in a cool movie. <laughs> um, you just have to really, <laughs> you really have to squint when it's the same color as the yeah. trees behind the window. People are like, what is that? Yeah. Um, implement each small task to evaluate result with end users and lead programmer. This is pretty good. Um, because a lot of times it's great. The lead programmer is great. Cause that's like, you know, code review. You guys talk about it. I think that's always good to say, cause sometimes you end up talking at the beginning, but you never end up follow up. <laughs> like what happened? Did you do it that way? Did we do it? You know? Um, but also with the end user, which is the artist or the designer, whoever, sometimes you, it, it prevents that mode of here. I checked it in. <laughs> it's like, hold on, let's talk about what you did or like go over their desk and say, okay, oh, yeah, so what yeah. I did is this and this and this. So all you need to do is this and this. That's that that saves an hour, hours just doing that. <laughs> you you forget that even as even from from the artist to programmer side or programmer to artist side, how much can get lost and just. I'm sure he knows what to do. It's like, hold on, let me just exp- let me just say what I did because my I'm not so genius that everybody understands what I did. Right, or you um, may be impacting something else somebody's doing. Just like, hey, somebody review this, please. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically explaining to the end user what the new functionality does, and so it's actually used, yeah. Um, implementing a small task, I don't want to go through that. That's just a basic breakdown of stuff. Um, the He ends the list, though, with some cool, like, list of, like, a, uh, tips actually, I will, that I... Go ahead. I will, oh, I was just going to say, I will say one thing about that, implementing a small task. That's, that is, I mean, I appreciate that sort of his mentality of it, but it does get very sort of granular, like verify related existing code is bug free, perform tests, research experiment, da, 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 da. It's like a very like methodical thing, but at the same time, it's also in production. It's like, 
Um, yeah, you can't. I mean, this is a lot of stuff to do well, for uh, everything so, you do and, for every and also, small task, you know. Yeah, this is like full on TDD too at this point. Yeah. So I mean, maybe if you want to do that. But also, he says one thing here. I'll wait till the end because he mentions it again in these various other rules that I like. Um, and what I'll just mention now. It doesn't matter what order he's in. He says. He says, what is it? Make, he said, don't focus too much on theoretical future use, but do keep it in mind. And at the bottom, he says, don't worry too much about making your code in such a way that unknown future extensions might be easy to add. This is yeah. a big problem with programmers. You need to, he goes, when new functionality is needed, the code can still be refactored. Of course, it's a little work to do, but then do make things as generic as possible. So there's always a balance between let's keep it open and modular, but don't go crazy. Like just fix right. it in. You know, I've actually run in, run into this recently. Uh, I've been trying to design a, a, a UI to, that manages another program, and like what we really want to do is make it as modular as possible, so that uh, and as as dynamic as possible, so that we can basically just define the entire UI via JSON. And I'm like, oh, okay, well that means I got to define all these buttons and what these buttons can do, and all their f- the future possible combinations of this. I'm like, wait. There's no way I can predict everything that they're going to need a button for or even how all the buttons are going to work with each other. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the functionality I have right now. And then, you know, in the future, I just make the system as easy as possible to add on to. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you just got to analyze. Like, I can go through all these, like, you know machinations of like you know having these config files and all that and it's like at the end of the day it's like well wait we're using unity or something and if we really need to like push some buttons around on a menu um that's what this is made for let's just go back to that and like not try to like over engineer it too much in the front yeah um he he mentions of course the time old thing of you know optimization don't do it too soon sometimes you can figure out later but you know obviously don't code your way into a problem too right well, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of like make it work first, and then but then once you do that, go back and analyze. Okay, do I fully understand how this works? Okay, now I can start thinking about the impact to the rest of the system. Yeah, coding is like Dark Souls in that sense. I'll explain yeah. it because <laughs> because I'll get like cocky because I'm especially even doing websites, but doing all the stuff where things are talking to each other. I'm like, unless I start like, let's just do this. Like first, I'll write the thing and hard code an answer just to see if it works. Hard code the communication. Okay, you know, start doing that stuff. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and if I do that, and it's not formal testing, it's just me smoke testing. Okay, everything's fine. But then it's like I'll get cocky and impatient. I'm like, I did five things, and then it just blows up. I'm like, I went too far into the dungeon. Yeah, I, was like, exactly. I went too fast. I need to walk back. And the problem <laughs> is, you have to. Back up on all of those you did too. You have to like take that out. I have to revert to that because that's not working now. And I have to now I have to do it the proper way. <laughs> right. Be methodical. Yeah. Just say all right. Just this one thing. All right. Okay. That works. <laughs> and of course, you're in judgment if you've done something before. But when you start, especially with games, you start talking to different systems. That's when I always run into that problem. Um. Never continue to work on something if you encountered a crash or major bug. Always fix that crash first. Yeah, right. Just give that to somebody else. Yeah, right. That's what interns are for. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that is a good point. I've seen engineers just be like, well, it kind of work. Oh, that's weird. You know, it's like if there's a caveat to like that works, oh, that's but or that's weird. It's like you probably need to keep going or like like he says, take a break and say like, wait a minute. Why, why is that different? You know, it's like because there's probably something waiting in the weeds for you. Well, yeah, and this ties to the one that I think is most that I got the most value out of this thing too, and that I I was using today. It says keep a personal list of the small things you should do. <laughs> if you come across some issue that you can't immediately take care of, or if someone asks for a feature that you promised to build later, then write it down in your list. Don't think you can always remember everything. Yeah, that's perfect because that that actually prevents me from doing the bouncing around. I'm like, oh, just write it down. And also, with unless the bugs, you're Eduardo, then you can remember. Everything. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He writes everything down. That's actually the thing. <laughs> But that but that ties into the bug thing too because I find that a lot of times you're showing a demo or you're showing it to somebody and stuff happens you're like I got to fix that hold on I'll do that later and you keep showing it to them and you're like hold on no you write what happened down <laughs> write that down because you need to go check it later <laughs> it's gonna that's, happen yeah yeah um, so I think that's that's even a great personal list I mean that that's a great place to start as we wrap this up I think that's a great place to start just for personal solo programmers or even a small team it's just just make a list. Go use Workflowy or Trello or something, you know. It doesn't have to be crazy sprints. It doesn't have to be crazy user stories. But try to – the two things I would say, make a list and try to 
find the granular level, like the two days you said, or the one day, whatever that granular level is. Don't put in, <laughs> don't put in, you know, fighting system. I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> That'll take two months. What are you talking about? You I'm making a fighting <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. It's like, break that down into the actions and transactions and whatever. Task, because, make a game. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah, because the goal, especially, because I guess everybody always thinks of these project management systems as like the man's trying to keep track of me and stuff. And even at work, you get that reaction from people. And I was like, no, this is about us trying to figure out how to, we can do stuff, like be more efficient and have more fun doing this and not be like going back and forth all the time. I've definitely, definitely had that thought of like, oh, well, you know, why am I spending all my time marking down my tasks? I can just get more done if I just do it. But it, I mean, it really does help you be more efficient. So, and then if you, and then also, the, yeah, to answer the last thing, to answer, we hear from programmers. Programmers can happen because you know you don't know how long a bug is going to last, or you hear from artists or whoever, and they're like, "Well, I don't know how to how long I to estimate this for." I can't tell you that. And I was like, "Well, you know what? <laughs> Just try." <laughs> because make a because the whole point of this is not that you're going to be perfect about this. You do it. You say three days, it didn't take three days, you add five days. It's like a budget in a company, right? They say they're gonna have this budget, they go over budget, they make their budget higher the next year. So they don't go over budget. And if they go if they go under their budget, <laughs> they lower their budget. So No 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 no. That's not how that works. They go under their budget, they start finding ways to tack on cash so they don't get their budget lowered next time. Well, no, no. I'm talking about yeah, they do that, but but the but if they do go under the budget, the higher ups will lower their budget. They'll they'll adjust to what right, people are yeah. doing. So in this sense, it's not the bad way. That in this sense, it's a good thing because yeah, you not you might not know at first, but say it's a month, and if it takes three weeks, then go down to three weeks, and you'll. This could take twenty years to really get this process down, and you're never going to get it down. So, so there you have it. That's personal programming, or just programming methodologies in general. Yeah, lot to take in. Find your own. <laughs> that's yeah. Find your own. Good luck. That's yeah. that's our uh, recommendation at the end. Yeah, of this. I mean it's seriously an adaptive process. Like you know, take bits and pieces of this. Like see what you like, don't like, play with it. You know, in the end, it's it's going to be your own thing, or maybe it's company mandated. Who knows? But at least you may have some uh, you know ammunition for an argument about how to do it a different way. So yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with a quick rapid fire roundup. We're back, and it's time for Rapid Fire Roundup. Okay, I'm, this is real quick. This is all negative news, so we can slam through this pretty Jeez, quickly. Yeah. The first one's a, the biggest one, real quick. Have you guys heard of, like, I know you both are Switch owners. I'm going to buy one pretty soon in the fall for Alex. I mean, once a little more. Overcooked just came out, but they're probably having frame rate issues, so I'll wait for a patch, and maybe I'll buy one for her. <laughs> but, um... That with the whole online system, because the way that the Switch works for online, you have to get an app, and that's yeah. the way you can party up. But then that's also the way you have to talk on your app. But the problem is, you have to have the app on. You have to have the app not go to sleep. And it's if it goes garbage. to sleep, it'll kick this, you off. <laughs> this is fucking garbage. I'm sorry. It's like it was the most laughable thing when I heard it. It's like, oh, we're gonna do voice chat through a little phone app. It's like. Fuck you, make it native. Figure something out. This is just... I mean, the Switch is fun. Zelda's fun, but, like, this The DS is, had... The DS, like, the thing the from DS the... DS fucking had, do it. had yes. voice chat. Yeah. It's it's awful. It's it's. Have seriously. you guys tried it at all? Have you played any no. multiplayer game? I think only Splatoon um, works with it. I, I actually... Uh, I mean, I really haven't played with the, the multiplayer, but, I, like, when it was free and you didn't have to use the app, like, I, I got my, like... It's still free, can, I think. They're not charging for it. Oh, okay, not yet? Okay. Well, no, but, I mean, for the voice comm system, I think only Splatoon 2 has it enabled? Or Yeah, it's enabled, but then it's weird because they have, like... Because they're like, whoa, if you want to use headphones and a headset, you have to buy this weird splitter thing that looks like a squid. And it's like, it splits the channels, you know, just it's like so you would dumb. on like, <laughs> like a PC headset or whatever that you yeah. have to plug no. into your phone. And, you know but what? You, I, I've got an Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I said if you get a call or a tweet or whatever, it'll kick you off of it. Because it has to be not only open, but active. Yeah, that so app, it, it doesn't yeah. have, like, Apple's background access, right? No, and it's, but it's, it's even worse than that, though, but if it just goes to sleep. Like, you have to set your phone uh, to not go to sleep. Your phone would die just yeah. sitting there for 
Yeah, thanks for using my data, my phone battery, my shitty experience. It's just, I mean, honestly, if we're going to communicate, you know, I just say, hey, let's jump on Xbox Live. I'll I'll, I'll turn on my Xbox and then switch channels to my Switch and talk to you on Xbox Yeah, and that's why everybody just uses Discord now and stuff. They just switch to that and like, we'll just use this. This Exactly. Anything else is better. So... That's there. Um, apparently, they had a couple weeks ago. They had a Pokemon Go Fest that was in New York or somewhere, and it was this yeah. huge event. And they're going to have all these legendary things. And <laughs> when they got to it, the internet, the cellular didn't work, and none of the apps worked. They couldn't oh, log in. Yeah. They couldn't log in. They all bought tickets to this thing, and they, <laughs> the Pokemon Go Fest. So it's like you went to a concert, and it's like, well, the speakers don't work. So we- sorry, guys. Yeah, <laughs> have like- fun with that. <laughs> And I feel like a Pokemon Go, it's like, yeah, we liked it. It was a Venus game of the year or whatever. But, like, <laughs> it's the idea that it's like, even if you like it, you're like, yeah, po- okay, sure, okay. I'll, 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 you know, risk embarrassment. I'll go to this thing, sure. And you're like, this is, <laughs> what a crummy deal. And so now apparently people are suing them. So that's the story. Oh, wow. Also, in a, a Nintendo, it's not Nintendo fail, it's a Walmart fail. Apparently a couple weeks ago, did you see their Walmart? We actually saw it because somebody we work with posted it like at midnight on a Saturday night. That they posted pre-orders for the SNES Classic, which oh yeah, I I kind of want the SNES Classic because it has Final Fantasy III, which is one of my favorite games of all time, and it has some other games. I was I was more SNES SNES guy. I had not you know that was when I really got into. But even just to buy it, I was like, I'll buy it for eighty bucks and sell it for five hundred if I have to, if you can get one. <laughs> um, but they got on and everybody ordered and a bunch of people ordered people we know at work and other people and then Walmart came out the next few days and go that was a mistake. We we published that page actually. We shouldn't do it. And they canceled everybody's. But the problem is they canceled That's them slowly up. over two weeks. <laughs> so some people are like, well, I still got mine. And they're like, no, you won't. We're going to cancel all of them. That is eventually. so messed up. So there you go. Another win for Nintendo. <laughs> and uh, then the last story. We talked about this a little bit. We're right going to end after. on a win here. <laughs> I um, guess. I don't know. <laughs> Doom Marine Identity finally revealed. So we're talking about the cover of the, the first Doom game, right? The id Software. Classic. Game Changer milestone game um it has a picture of this you know the space marine right guy person and he's on there and he's fighting demons and stuff he's on a pile of hell yeah yeah and so you know this is family id with john carmack and john romero and adrian carmack right and so they and the other guy we always forget his name um so to do this to ryan's he's like why do they have a model they hired a bodybuilder model to pose for a picture so the artist could actually draw this paint this weird demon picture and we couldn't figure out why they did that because you're like because i said well maybe they have to model it and Ryan, you, you told me it's like well comic book people draw stuff all the time yeah, why like, to model? they don't have to have a model right there yeah. and i was thinking it's like yeah comics have been around since the 30s why would they need that and then but then if you read the story you realize because john romero i like him but you know at the times i think he's better now but i think he had a big ego at the time, and, you know, he's, he, that was kind of the whole story of them and the ironic fate of him and when he went off. Um, yeah. His, his ego's gotten a little smaller. He's got a little more humble. But, he seems yeah, like a nice then, guy now. Like, back he then like it was a, a planet killer. So. Yeah. But apparently, they, they I feel this is all a ruse because during the session, John Romero thought that the uh, bodybuilder wasn't just up to snuff. He wasn't doing poses that he wanted to. So he pushed the bodybuilder out of the way, took his shirt off, and did the pose and had the bodybuilder reaching up to him as the demon. And that's the picture that is the Doom picture. It's a picture as the model of the Doom picture. So uh, John Romero is the Space Marine. No, the Space Marine's not that dumpy, but uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have the big mullet. That's what yeah, he did. Exactly. There should be hair flowing out of that helmet. Like. All right. All right. So that was fun. That was a good story. All right. In the meantime, we'll do this quick. You're going to talk to us on a day to day basis. Get in touch with us. You can do that on Facebook Lounge or the Facebook Lounge. It's the Debug Lounge on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group. You can join that. You know, we talk about all sorts of stuff in there. You know, I think we're going to do our fancy footballs again soon. Maybe. I don't know. I'd be down. Yeah. Um, that's coming up. So get in there. Just search for the Debug Lounge on Facebook. You can join in there and ask questions, share your game, do whatever. Also on Patreon, like I said, we just had our awesome first hangout with uh, Grant, uh, and that was fun. We'd like to have more people in there. No offense to Grant. Grant was great. We'll talk to him singularly if he yeah. wants to, but it'd be fun to make it a party in there. So if you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash the debug log, and you can look at the different levels and stuff we have, and we thank you if you want to do that. It helps us play for bandwidth and all that stuff. So, All right, guys. That was good. All right, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, until next time. <laughs> to the future. You can reach you on Twitter. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. I'm at WookieJumper42. And I'm at R.E. Kilgore. K-L-O-G-O-R-E. We'll see you next time. In the future. Good evening, everyone. In the future, yes. Excelsior, spider friends. Uh, uh. urine you're in trouble <laughs> I get it yeah. that's going in the in the episode <laughs> <laughs>